You're listening to the Alliant Insurance Podcast, dedicated to insurance and risk management solutions and trends shaping the market today. Our team of industry specialists offer insights and explore a wide range of topics with the help of expert guests from various fields. Each 10 to 15 minute episode provides business owners and risk managers with the most important information they need to know about their insurance programs. To never miss an episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button. In today's episode, Joe welcomes Bruce Seckendorf, a highly respected business manager who has spent decades working with some of the biggest names in the industry. Joe and Bruce discuss the various challenges faced by today's professional athletes and artists when it comes to managing their finances. Bruce provides insights and advice on how to become more financially viable and maximize earnings. Now, here is your host, Joe Charles. Welcome back to another Alliant podcast. I'm Joe Charles, Senior Vice President of the Sports Entertainment Division at Alliant. With me today is my good friend, Bruce Zeckendorf, who is a founding member and partner at Zeckendorf, Raleigh, Hanson, and Kobe. Bruce, we've known each other close to 20 years. Thank you so much for being a part of the Alliant podcast. Really means a lot to me. Thank you. So I'm going to start with tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got to this place in your life. Well, I went out on my own, started my own accounting firm at, you know, in my mid 20s, which was pretty risky at the time. I left a big firm in the city and just started my own practice. After grinding for a bunch of years, I was introduced to a couple of different people in the music industry. One of my closest friends is Theo Settlemeyer very big entertainment attorney these days. He was very influential in getting me started in the music business as a business manager. Met a few other people. None of them knew each other. They were all independent of each other. I saw a great opportunity to set up LL Business Management, named it after my two daughters, Lindsay and Lauren. And here we are all these years later, and we're, you know, pretty good-sized company. But that's how I got my start. That's pretty awesome. How big is the firm now? We have an LA office, about eight to 10 people out there. We have a Long Island office. We're right outside the city limits. That's a, a tax strategy that we can get into in a, in a little bit. We've got about 35 to 40 people out here. And we have an office in Midtown that has three or four people in it. So I guess all in the company is probably about 50 people. Do you guys have an international presence as well? Yeah, we do a lot of work out of the UK with a bunch of different companies, more in the sense of a joint venture than an actual office. International laws make it difficult to have an office over there, but we do a lot of work with clients outside the United States that come to tour in the United States. We become specialists in that area doing CWA work, central withholding agreements, and the non-resident returns, et cetera, just dealing with those issues. So you work with a lot of artists when they are in the States, like the international artists, Correct. We'll handle all their U.S. tax filings and work hand in hand with different accounting firms in the U.K., primarily three or four at the current time. And we just make sure that the structure is correct so that they can utilize foreign taxes on their side of the ocean. You know, doing it on the U.S. side is easy for us. That's what we do every day. And then we also help them again, you know, CWA work to a layman. It's really nothing more than a budget. It's artist ABC is going on tour in the United States, what's the gross revenue, what are the payouts, what are the expenses, because the government over here is going to withhold 
30% off of the gross. So what we try to do is minimize that for cash flow purposes. And so they're not sitting there trying to get some massive refund at the end of a tour. And you also have to wait until we can file your U.S. return, right? So if you're touring in April, we're not going to file that return and you're not going to get your refund until April, May of the following year, right? So that's why we're going to do that CWA work and work in conjunction with them. Wow, that's interesting. What type of challenges are out there for today's artists from a tax perspective, if any? I think it starts with corporate structure. A lot of times when I pick up a new account, the business management firm or the CPA firm has set up an LLC. I'm not a fan of the single member LLC. You know, we're not about trying to evade paying tax or avoid paying taxes, but I don't like to splash my client's profit and loss right there on their personal return. So I like a separation of entities. So a lot of times I'll recommend to a domestic client, somebody in the U.S., the S-Corp is my favorite entity to form. The other thing at the beginning, when you file that initial return, a lot of business managers, CPAs, they elect cash basis. It's a simple method of accounting. I'm a fan of the accrual method of accounting. It's a better match of income and expenses to when the money's actually earned. And so you're not getting clobbered by getting in necessarily a big advance or a big check at the end of the year. So I think day one working with a new artist, it's structure. You need a separate tour company, separate loan out company. What method of accounting are we going to choose for those entities? That's day one, step one. Right. So what are the steps? You meet the client, you lay out a structure. These are the things that we need to do for you to be successful. Do many of your clients, do they follow the blueprint? They say they will. Can't lie to you. A lot of them don't. I would say the step is meet the client, land the client, set up the structure, work with the attorneys, their entertainment attorneys, get those entities formed. My plan is really simple. It's a plan that I live by myself and I love for my clients to listen to me, which is basically, look, end game is not that hard. You're in a unique position. You're blessed with a lot of talent. You can make a whole lot of money. The end game, pick a number. If you can accumulate $5 million after tax, get a safe 5% return, which is not that crazy. For the rest of your life, you're getting $250,000 a year without touching the 5 million. It's basically a little more than $20,000 a month. If you want more, let's accumulate, let's set our target at 10 million. Now you're up to over $40,000 a month. You're almost at $10,000 a week for the rest of your life without working, right? That's a 10 million. And so the formula goes. So, you know, getting to that point requires some discipline and to just not spend every dime you have on a private jet or, you know, it's okay to have one Rolex or one high-end watch. You don't need six or seven. At the end of the day, it's the client's money. They steer the ship. We can only advise. Many of our clients do follow the blueprint to your initial question. Those that don't, we just keep trying. You know, hopefully they have long careers, but most people aren't blessed with a long career. Most people, it's just a few years and you're out. So many of your clients, are they fortunate enough to get a second album? I know all the different ways that a client can make money doing touring, releasing albums. If they're fortunate enough to get a 360 deal, is that model still out, the 360 model? Yeah, it's still out. I think it's, you know, the streaming is big for the artists, the revenue stream. Touring, obviously, I think you alluded to that. Yeah, I mean, most of our clients have had multiple albums dropped. They've got good revenues. It's just really controlling the spending. I'm a big believer in 
you know, money comes in, obviously you pay your expenses. I'm talking about after expenses, whatever's left in that pot. If it's a million dollars, bank 500,000, go ahead and spend 500,000. If you can do that, you can accumulate. When I meet with some of the professional athletes that I'll deal with and have the same conversation, obviously it's better if you can bank more than half your paycheck at those enormous numbers. But at a minimum, if you bank half, you're going to be in good shape. Taxes paid, bank half, spend the other half. It's fine. You know, you'll be okay. Good intel. What I've seen also, you and I have worked together a long time with music clients. You know, there's tour insurance, there's general liability, there's umbrella coverage that we need to put in place. There's the foreign tours, the cancellation, disability, non-appearance. You know, some of that stuff could be very costly. There is copyright infringement situations that can arise where an artist will write a, a song and then someone comes out of woodwork and says the song was their original material and then you have to defend that. Have you had many situations where that's happened with any of your clients? Yeah, where they've had to defend their music? Yes, number of times. That becomes more of a legal issue than where my job comes into play. But something that is interesting based on what you're saying, just a thought that came to my mind, it would be nice if the insurance industry came up with a plan where you've got a lot of startup artists that are going on tour and just not getting that much per night. And I think you know this firsthand, Joe, like the the premium per show, they can't really afford the insurance because they're not making any money. So it'd be nice if there was a pool in the insurance industry for new artists coming up where it was almost like auto insurance, like where we could get them in this pool for minimal insurance with minimal risk. I know it's a different animal, but that would be a good way to go because sometimes not everybody's getting six figures a night. Some people are just getting, you know, five or 8,000 a night. And by the time you're done with your expenses, you're barely making any money. And the last thing you need is an insurance bill per show of another 500 or $1,000. Yet they need it, as you know. And you know what, Bruce, you're onto something. That's a good point. I've had those discussions with some of our carrier relationships. You know, new artists, you know, typically is not making that much money. It's more promotional than anything. And that the money that they're making is all going towards the cost of their insurance, paying their staff, paying their folks that are on tour with them, and then end up being a loss leader. I guess the benefit for them is they get a chance to showcase themselves and get a chance to work on their craft. But at the end of the day, they're not really making a whole lot of money. Correct. But they need the insurance. Another area that we're focusing on, and we really try to, to do this with all our clients, it's beyond estate planning. Most of our clients are younger, but it's really more about making sure that they have a will in place. And, you know, especially in the world we live in right now, sitting down with an estate attorney, drawing up your will, determining while you're still with us, you know, where do you want your assets to go? You know, sometimes those numbers get to be very large. You've seen a lot of song catalogs that are being sold these days. At every turn, you know, so many people have these multi-million dollar assets that they haven't converted to cash yet, but the estate might, or the estate might, you know, want to keep it. But estate taxes and preserving your assets is important. And if you're single or you're married or you have kids, and these are all things that need to be considered, and you've got a lot of younger people making a whole lot of money. And many of them are running around without any will or plan in place. Unfortunately, we've crossed that bridge a couple of times where the client has passed on and we're left holding the bag and dealing with a bunch of family members, 
you know, fighting. Some of the larger estates you've seen over the years, I, not firsthand, but I'm sure there were some problems with the Michael Jackson estate, the Prince estate. Those were large. Yet I don't know the nuances of the wills and how it was laid out, but rumor has it they weren't totally organized like they should have been. Yeah, you would think who those artists were. I mean, they were, you know, huge, huge names in the industry that they would have everything buttoned up. But it's very surprising news to hear that. Right. I don't know firsthand. But even if it is buttoned up, when you're that large, it's something that you would probably want to review with your estate attorney and with your business manager. If you're making that kind of money once a year, at least, because your net worth is constantly growing. So, and the tax laws are constantly changing. So that's important. So you just mentioned something that's on my radar as well. Music catalogs. Does every artist, do they have a music catalog or should they have a music catalog? And how do they monetize those catalogs? How do they make money? Well, I mean, I don't do the monetization, but there are companies out there that want to buy it. They'll send in their team. It's really nothing more than, you know, what is your share of the songwriting, what your ownership is in the different songs that make up that catalog, right? So every song is going to be different, your ownership percentage, but what are you actually selling? And then we can get into the whole capital gain. I think most CPAs, most business managers are treating those sales as cap gains. I've heard otherwise from some tax attorneys that we need to structure it a little bit differently, but it hasn't been questioned. You're selling, you know, a complete song catalog. It's your asset. It's cap gain. Interesting. So I know you also work with some athletes, some NBA athletes, some international athletes. With some of the NBA athletes, one of the things I learned over the years is that an athlete who plays in various states, he's taxed in all the states that he plays in? Mm, yes. That actually applies to a lot of artists, and it gets more complicated because they're not on W-2. They're just getting a fee per show. So we have done that with some of the larger artists where if they're doing shows in 15 or 20 different states, we will actually file in those states. And, and many of those states withhold tax. So you can get some of it refunded or have a small balance due. With the professional athletes, yeah, they're getting W-2s. They have tax withheld. Some of the states per day that you spend, New York is famous for that. Days of service in New York State. California does the same thing. How many days were you there? As opposed to how much did you earn per game? So, you know, if you're a big time athlete, you might be getting, you know, $35,000 a game. You play one game in Chicago, you're going to file an Illinois return with $35,000 on your W-2 with some Illinois tax withheld. And then what happens if you're a New York State resident, you're going to take your entire W-2, file in New York State, and then take a credit for all the taxes paid to all the other states. So you might file in 10 different states, whatever your collective tax bill is to those 10 states, apply that tax credit against your New York State tax bill. You know, you're not paying to New York and Illinois, you're really only paying to New York the net number, right? You're gonna get credit for the tax paid to those other states. It does complicate the returns, but that's how that works. And the same thing applies with foreign taxes. Big difference, I've had a business manager that was trying to force profit overseas, got caught out there. Again, we're not mentioning names, but when you perform outside the US, foreign countries withhold the tax at source. So it could be the United Kingdom, it could be Japan, it could be Germany or France, wherever. You can utilize those foreign taxes against your US tax, okay, as a tax credit but you have to have a profit on that European tour, so to speak. So if your European tour loses money, 
and they took out the tax, those taxes will not go against your U.S. income tax. You can utilize those foreign taxes as an additional write-off or an expense, but they're not going to reduce your federal income tax. So I saw a case where they tried to force the profit on the European side to utilize those credits and reduce the U.S. tax, got caught under audit, wasn't my client, got caught under audit, and the whole thing blew up. So you got to be careful with that. So that comes down to the early budget. What are you going to make from this foreign tour? How much can be withheld? And that also comes into play where, like some of my contacts in the United Kingdom in London, they will go ahead and reduce the tax that's going to be withheld for you. They charge a separate fee. So now you have to weigh out, is it worth paying them to reduce that tax bill? Do you need it for cash flow? How much are they going to charge? What is the final tax bill going to be? And then apply that to your U.S. taxes. So it gets a little bit complicated. And the same thing, you know, obviously another one is Canada. Same thing applies there. Sounds very complicated. If someone's not paying attention, they could really put themselves in a bad situation. Correct. It can be very costly on, on a large tour. It can be very expensive. I mean, ultimately, you know, in a perfect world, you want to use those credits. If I have $10,000 withheld in the United Kingdom, I would like to take that 10000 after changing it over, obviously, currency exchange from sterling to U.S. dollars. I'd like to take that $10,000 and reduce my U.S. income tax by 10000 and the money was paid to the United Kingdom, right? That's the ideal. If I'm taking it as a $10,000 expense, I'm only saving the tax on 10000 You know, if you're in a maximum bracket, maybe it's going to be 40%, give or take. California's a bit more, but let's say 40%. So I save $4,000 in tax versus getting a $10,000 credit, right? The numbers can be big and it can be very material, how much you can save. No, this is great stuff. Yeah, you know, I tell you, from a branding standpoint, you know, I travel in a lot of circles. You know, I'm at the ESPYs, I'm at a lot of awards, the Grammys. Your name is always mentioned in discussion when they talk about business management firms and CPAs. I hear your name all the time. I just have to laugh. I'm like, my guy is everywhere, you know, and I know that no one's going to outwork you. You know, there's been times when I've spoken to you. You're in the office at 7 o'clock in the morning, and I know during tax time, you're a machine. You just crank out tax, tax returns, you know, all day long. Well, I'm basically tax time from January 2nd to the end of tax time, be it April 15th or a couple of days later. I'm generally doing 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., maybe a little bit more. At my advanced age, I get a little burned out after 12 straight hours of grinding. I can't do the 14 like I used to or 15. Also, to your point, you know, some of these shows, been there, done that, you know, gone to Grammys, Grammy parties. I will still go out, but I prefer being behind the scenes and doing the work. I don't want to be out there necessarily partying in that atmosphere. It's not my job. And, you know, having done it, I'm the worker guy. I'm behind the scenes. It's where I prefer to be. I'm available. I like fixing problems. It's really what gets me up in the morning. I mean, nobody likes to have a problem for their clients, but I do love the challenge of clients. I mean, I can tell you one funny story that comes to mind about fixing a problem. Again, without mentioning names and the statute of limitations has expired, so I'm clear. But I had a client who was handling his own auto insurance and was driving a very expensive car back in the 90s. Coming home from a recording studio late at night, drove under a truck, totaled the car. Car was in shambles on the side of the road. Car was about an $80,000 car, give or take. And back then that was pricey expensive car today. I think the collision on the car was about fifteen or 20000 that all he had covered. So you as an insurance guy will appreciate this. 
I called an insurance guy that I knew. We were able to get some supplemental insurance, backdating it a couple of days. I think it was only another 15 or 20,000. I then called through some of my contacts before music. I used to do a lot of, we'll call them characters. And I had a couple of junkyard connections in the Brooklyn, Queens area. I called them up. I said, look, I've got all these high-end parts on the side of the highway. You want to pick them up, pay us, you know, you can mark them up, take the pieces. They sent over one of their flatbeds, picked up all the pieces of the car, gave the guy another 20, 25,000. And the guy got out. I think he lost about 10 or 15,000 on the entire transaction. Where he had an $80,000 car with $15,000 insurance. He's looking at being out 65 grand. So only losing maybe 15,000 was a good day. That's a beautiful win. That's for sure. I'm sure he was very happy. Yeah. You have to get creative. I always tell my clients, look, there's a solution to every problem. Just some solutions cost more money than others. That's all. That's how it is in this world of uh, entertainment. That's for sure. Nothing's always cookie cutter. You got to be creative in providing solutions. Right. I like to tell people, Joe, it's only expensive if you can't afford it. (laughs) Yeah, very true. Very true. Well, Bruce, I tell you, it's been awesome having you as a guest today on the Lion Podcast. Happy we were able to do this. And for anyone who wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way to reach you? So I would say my office is 516-488-8400. My extension is 228. My email is bruce at llbiz.com. Both of those methods, I'm pretty OCD, so I'm pretty much always here and answering emails and phone calls pretty promptly, as you know, Joe. And thank you for having me. I don't know if you have any other questions, but I'm good. This has been great. You've answered a lot of my questions, and I'm sure all of our listeners will appreciate the insight and information you provided. So really appreciate your time. Once again, I'm Joe Charles. Thank you, everyone, for joining our show today. And for more information, visit us at align.com forward slash sports and entertainment. Thanks for listening to today's episode. For more information, visit us at alliant.com forward slash sports and entertainment. See you during the next episode and don't forget to subscribe.